0: Harassment exists in a workplace, and I've worked in places where it existed. It's like poison. It really poisons the work environment, and not just for the person who's being harassed or the one who's doing it. It's for everybody. This is Code Three, the Firefighters' Podcast. Hosted by award-winning journalist, Scott Orr. Now, here's Scott.
1: That's right, and I will not let Parkinson stop me. Thank you for joining me today for another edition of Code 3. This is the show that gives you all the information on a firefighting topic you need in about 20 minutes. Now let's get started. Our subject today may make you uncomfortable. If it does, that's not necessarily a bad thing, so stick with me. You could save your own career. I'm talking about harassment in the fire service, both sexual harassment and other types. Now look, you know and I know that it goes on. Maybe your house, maybe someone else's, maybe someone else's department. And you know and I know that there have been so-called sensitivity training seminars. We also know that they usually aren't well-received. Go ahead, admit it. You snickered or groaned the last time word came down that there was one you had to attend. And by the way, if your department or house doesn't have these problems, that is great. But it doesn't mean they've been extinguished across the entire fire service Harassment still happens. My guest on this edition knows all that, too. She's here to talk about how strong leadership can help eliminate it. Linda Willing is one of our favorite returning guests here on Code 3. She's a retired career fire officer who consults with emergency service agencies and other companies through her firm, Real World Training and Consulting. She is also a published author and instructs at the National Fire Academy. Annalinda linda Willing joins me now. Welcome back to Code 3.
0: Thanks, Scott. It's good to be here.
1: It's great to have you. So let's start with the whys of harassment. Why do female firefighters suffer from sexual harassment when they join a crew?
0: Well, I think it's important to... Note, first of all, that not all of them do, that harassment is is not always a systemic problem. It can be a localized problem among uh, a particular crew or even with a particular individual.
1: I think that's important because I think people tend to assume that a whole department is like that when it might not really be a characteristic of a department.
0: I think that's true in most cases. I think it's possible to have organizations that have a tendency to tolerate inappropriate behavior where that kind of behavior is more common and widespread. But I I have never experienced, even in worst case scenarios, where, for example, sexual harassment was having happening in every single station.
1: Okay, so then why do female firefighters get this treatment when they do?
0: Well, I think it goes back to a couple things. One is, at the beginning, when women were first hired, and and unfortunately, that's still happening in some places, it still is the beginning for women in the fire service in some places. Some members of the department were very resistant to that. They didn't like the idea of having women on the job for a variety of reasons. And they were hostile to them and, and they treated them badly because of it. And they, they treated them differently and held them to a different standard and uh, excluded them and and even harassed them in, in overtly sexual manners in some ways. Uh, so that's one issue. I think another issue is that some individuals just have issues and they tend to Behave badly, and uh, most people are aware of that kind of uh, aberration and behavior for those individuals, but may not say anything to them. Both peers and supervisors may not say, "You know, knock that off" or "That's not appropriate." And so, those individuals tend to push the push the limits, and sometimes will do very inappropriate things sometimes i think it's it's a cultural thing where you know one thing with the fire service that i remember very clearly is that firefighters are very much into kind of the mentality of can you top this so you know if if this is funny you know it would be really funny <laughs> and and things kind of get pushed along in an incremental way that may sweep a whole group along and nobody is stopping to say should we be doing this? Is this okay? So I think there's a a couple different ways that it comes about.
1: So let's switch gears now. And let me ask you this. Why do male firefighters suffer from harassment at the hands of their brothers?
0: Well, I I think it goes back to, you know, all harassment ultimately, and, and to define what harassment is, I think is important, but all harassment is about power. So, It's about exercising power and control over others, that they do not have the power or ability to speak up to whatever it is that's going on. So that can happen to male or female members of the department. It can happen to people of different races or ethnicities. It can happen to people who are just different in some other way, political differences, differences in background. Any of those things can be a way that somebody is targeted.
1: We're transitioning to a new time, I think, when everybody in the house knows what not to do. I mean, I imagine that by now only the most senior members of a given crew, and yeah, I mean the oldest, (laughs) might still think it's okay to harass other firefighters, whether male or female. True or false?
0: Well, (laughs) Uh, that should be the case <laughs> it should be true that everyone knows the differences and and what's expected but one thing that i think has contributed to the current state of affairs and and what i mean by that is i'm seeing more news items about harassment and people filing lawsuits and people filing complaints and you know all of these all of these things that are so damaging and disruptive to both individuals and organizations. I think one thing that's happened in the last couple of years is that this kind of training has been downplayed or even overlooked in some cases. And I think that's partly a function of COVID because COVID, well, because out of necessity, COVID stopped a lot of in-person training. And- The only effective harassment training is in person. You can't do it via a Zoom call or a PowerPoint that you answer questions on a quiz at the end. I mean, some training, yes, you can do that way. Harassment training, you cannot do that way. And the reason is because the people who need it most can check out during it when it's in that form the only way to hold people accountable to it is to have them in the room with you and be sure that everybody is hearing the same thing that everybody else is hearing and that they truly understand what you mean and that their questions are answered. And that's another problem with remote training is that a lot of questions don't really get answered in that format.
1: Well, you know, I'm wondering if these seminars to train people on sensitivity or acceptable behavior are really taken seriously by the people they're supposed to teach.
0: (laughs) One of the things that that I say when I teach classes on those those topics, um, I'll sometimes start out the class by saying, okay, who in this room would rather be at the dentist getting their teeth drilled right now than being here for this? And inevitably, there will be people who raise their hand. You're absolutely right. I and mean, people is not anyone's favorite subject, but it's one of those things that if you don't do it right, then big problems come about. You know, it, it's preventative. It's And the way that I approach it is just like that, is that, you know, the fire service is about preventing harm and mitigating harm at the lowest possible level. And that's what the training should do. It should educate people on on how to recognize danger and how to mitigate danger at the lowest possible level, and also what people's individual responsibilities are under the law, because this does go back to federal law.
1: So when you hold these classes, do you feel like people are actually coming into them not knowing better, or do you think they know better and you're having to tell them what the ramifications are if they continue to act like that?
0: Well, I think there's, I think there is some genuine misunderstanding about harassment law. And I'm not an attorney, but I've spent a lot of time with this. And one thing that I was looking through some of my notes this morning, and one of the scenarios that that I've used in a class before was people hanging out after a training and telling jokes. And One of the jokes they tell has some sexual content to it. But, you know, it was from something he heard on TV the night before in a movie he saw. And everybody laughs and everybody seems to be enjoying it. And they're both male and female members at this training. Well, the next day, the officer gets nervous because he thinks, oh, I should have said something. I should have stopped it. That wasn't appropriate. I could be in trouble. And he sets the wheels in motion that maybe that woman who was there feels harassed and files a complaint on her behalf. Well, then you get into some very murky territory because now she's saying, no, I didn't feel any problem at all. I was totally comfortable with it. You know, now I feel like I'm being harassed because you're singling me out. So I think it's really important for people to come in and, and deal with scenarios, deal with real life scenarios in a, conversational safe environment with a knowledgeable and skilled facilitator hopefully and and talk these things through and then yeah you know some people maybe they they do they do know better they they know exactly what they should be doing and they don't care well that that's a bigger problem that's an organizational problem i mean if you've got a firefighter with that going on in his or her mind I mean, that can manifest in a lot of different ways that could be very damaging.
1: It is true, though, that guys in some houses that have been traditionally male-only become very nervous about how their humor could be taken by a woman on the crew. So how how do they know where to draw the line?
0: Leadership is really critical, and officers, station officers, uh, supervisory chiefs, all of those people in any kind of a leadership, a designated leadership role, they have additional accountability, and that is a legal imperative. That, that's under federal law. So if something is going on and you are the supervisor and you're aware of it, you can be held accountable for that behavior because you didn't take action to stop it so i think that that people in those roles really need to have maybe even some additional training and support in knowing what their responsibilities are and honestly scott a lot of people who become uh, station officers get training in a lot of things you know they get training in incident command and report writing and all of those things not so much in this stuff and and it is often the biggest challenge for them.
1: Well, how about this idea? Especially between male firefighters. One man's harassment is another idea, is another man's idea of a prank. As long as no one's physically injured, does that matter?
0: Then you get into the realm of there's a difference, there's an overlap, but there is a difference between what is considered illegal harassment and what is considered unprofessional, inappropriate behavior. There's an overlap.
1: Would that be hazing?
0: Right. Hazing could certainly fall into that. Because hazing, you know, harassment under the law has to be against a protected class uh, that's that's identified under Title VII of the 1964 Civil Rights Act. And that has been augmented over the years, but it's still relatively narrow. So if you are being if you're being singled out just because you're the new kid and it has nothing to do with race, gender, ethnicity, religion, you know, the other categories um, you may not have a title seven harassment complaint, but you could still have a, a complaint against that department that you're being treated inappropriately, that you're being, um, you know, threatened physically, that you're being humiliated, et cetera. And yeah, it's, it's, it's tricky law that way. I mean, some people, I think one of the reasons that harassment law is so misunderstood is because it's relatively recent. Harassment wasn't even, design- wasn't even identified or defined in federal law until 1980. And it wasn't yeah. um, the idea of a, ha- and it was very narrowly defined as quid pro quo. What most people think of as harassment is hostile environment harassment. Right which would be hazing type behavior that was not even defined in the law until 1986 i had been a firefighter already for 7 years before that law was even defined at the federal level so it's it's not it's not that old and there are some misconceptions and misunderstandings about it that i think are worth go- just talking about and making sure everyone's on the same page with and clear about.
1: What do you tell firefighters who say that having to be careful about what you say has a chilling effect on creating a family in the house?
0: Oh, right. That is absolutely one of the... Uh, <laughs> I, I can even read to you from a page that I wrote about that. I'm commonly asked questions. Sure. The question was, Harassment law has ruined the workplace. We can't have fun anymore for fear of being accused of harassing someone. That goes to your question, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, my answer to that is, this is a common concern, but it is largely unfounded. The courts have been consistent in saying that enforcement of harassment law does not intend to impose a specific code of civility on the workplace. Illegal harassment is more than just transient offensive behavior. It unreasonably interferes with an employee's work performance and conditions of employment. In Farragher versus Boca Raton, which was a Supreme Court case, they stated, and I'm quoting, simple teasing, offhand comments, and isolated incidents, unless extremely serious, will not amount to discriminatory changes in the terms and conditions of employment. So I I think that that's a bit of an overreaction, both at the rank-and-file level and also, frankly, at the... Organizational level. I think sometimes people in positions of leadership in organizations don't understand exactly what the law says. Now, to tag on to that, harassment law is just one piece. You can have policies and should have policies, as far as I'm concerned, in any organization that go far beyond this in terms of establishing what is expected in terms of professionalism, civility, appropriate behavior. Those kinds of things can be developed both, you know, in in a municipality within an organization itself. But it really goes back to, you know, beyond all of this legal stuff, which is what makes people very uncomfortable and worried and angry in some cases, I think it, you really have to go back to the essential mission that harassment, when harassment exists in a workplace and I've worked in places where it existed, it's like poison. It really poisons the work environment and not just for the person who's being harassed or the one who's doing it. It's for everybody because people understand that something bad is going on and it's uncomfortable and you don't have that team camaraderie and you don't trust each other. All of those things are so critical for being effective firefighters. You know, that's the reason, to me, that harassment has got to be eliminated. You know, not to be politically correct, but to be able to do the job better and to be safe.
1: So with all that in mind, what can company officers do to promote better behavior in their house? Will just leading by example do the job?
0: Leading by example is critical. Absolutely critical. and. I think we both understand why, sure. but it, you have to go further than that because you have to establish expectations about what you expect from your crew. And, and again, this is part of being a company officer. You, you should be setting clear expectations for your crew in every aspect of the job. What is their uniforms going to be, you know, what is the appropriate uniform for different functions? Um, when do we do PT? uh who cleans the bathrooms i mean all of those things you know what do, what do i want you to do if we show up on a dumpster fire you know what what do you, what's the expectation there so all of those kinds of expectations need to be expressed demonstrated and if people are really varying from those expectations in a way that's inappropriate the officer must speak to it And it doesn't mean you have to file sexual harassment charges against somebody. I mean, if somebody tells a joke that's inappropriate, the very first thing that you do is you don't laugh at it. You know, you give them a cold, hard stare. And this goes for anybody in the room. And if you're the if you're the officer, you say, I don't want to hear that. Not okay. That should be the end of it.
1: Hmm. All right. Thanks for exploring this issue with me today on Code 3. Well, I hope it's been helpful. And there's more about the hazards of harassment and how to eliminate it at our website, code3podcast.com DEI. That's D-E-I. If you find Code 3, whether it be this edition or others, valuable to your professional development, you can pledge any amount to keep this show going. $10 a month pledge gets you access to the Code 3 Bull Sessions where we post occasional extra material that didn't make the main show. But we'll take any amount, including a dollar a month. Just go over to the website Code3Podcast.com and click on the button on the right that's labeled Support the Podcast. Thanks for your help. Alright, that's it. That's all for this edition of Code 3. Thank you for listening. I'll be back next time with more, and I hope you'll join me. I'm Scott Orr, and until then, stay safe. To contact us, get more information on today's show, or to subscribe to the podcast, go to Code3Podcast.com.